Hello, it's Louise again with episode 8 of the Knit British podcast, and all the wooly people are so, so lovely. Hello, welcome back. It's great to be here. It's so nice to have you here. Uh, Welcome back if you are joining me again. And hello if this is the first time you've dropped in. Come in, come in. It's really lovely to have you around. Um, I'm a bit gruff today. I've got a bit of a cold, a bit of a sore throat, so I hope you can put up with my croaking. I'm also here with the podcat, Jeremy, who is... Actually, where is she? Oh, she's she's under the covers. Podcat, are you there? She's a sweaty little lump under the duvet. Sorry. I'm sorry. Put the duvet back. So there's podcat too. Probably, hopefully we'll have no nonsense from her today. Yes, I am podcasting slightly earlier this month. I normally podcast on the last weekend of the month. But I'm going on holiday. Uh, I'm going to Glasgow, Edinburgh and York and spending a nice couple of weeks away from the microphone. So I thought I'd better drop in a podcast before I go. This time around I have some tips for first-time wool festers because that's just around the corner. I've got an interview with George from Yarn Garden. I've got some news. There's a wool shop shout-out. And I also have the winner of the Artisano Blue-Faced Leicester Blend giveaway. I don't have all the woolly reviews that I promised you that last time I would have. Um, Mostly because things have been a bit hectic recently and with upcoming training and going away on holiday and being away for training the week before, I've not got round to writing up the reviews of those yet. So next time, I promise, I will have some lovely yarn reviews for you. In fact, I might have all of them for you. How about that? So come on in now. Don't be shy. Those of you standing by the door, come on right into the body of the kirk. Grab a cuppa, grab your whip and let's go. Woolfest is just around the corner. It's happening on the 27th and 28th of June, next Friday and Saturday, and it's the 10th anniversary, so happy birthday, Woolfest. I know there'll be big celebrations in Cockermouth next weekend. After some toing and froing, I won't be doing Woolfest this year, but actually it's okay. There's no FOMO with this one, really. Um, I'll be on holidays with the lovely fella, and Woolfest would, would have been a bit of more travelling and you know the post Woolfest tiredness would have sort of impinged on on our holiday so I thought I'd give a miss this time. Although I'm still managing to wangle in a bit of nitty meetup um, next weekend with Joe from the Shiny Bees podcast, Claire Devine and Carrie Westerman so it's not all bad. Are you a virgin Woolfester? Uh, if you're heading to Cumbria for the festival, here are some tips that I learned last year. I really enjoyed last year. The lovely fella had arranged it for my birthday without me knowing, so that was really, really nice. But yeah, I thought I'd share with you a few tips uh, if you're heading there for the first time this next weekend. In no particular order. Number one, there isn't a very good phone signal at Mitchell's Livestock Centre, so if you're planning to meet up with some ravelers or some pals from social media or some friends, just try and prearrange where you will meet because... While some networks might be better than others, I would say prearrange because you, it's a it's a big place. There are lots of people, and last year I had intended to meet up with quite a few people 
and they'd said I'll text you when we get there and it wasn't it didn't happen and we could have passed each other a thousand times but there's so many people and so many things so prearrange is what I say number two if you see something that you like buy it don't think I'll come back around. It's easy when you go to these things to think you can do an audit run and sort of walk around the route and see the different things and sort of audit things and think, oh yes, that's nice, I might come back to that. Oh, that's good. Oh yes, I like that too. Maybe I'll come back. If you like it, just think, do I really want it? And if you want it, just buy it because it probably will be gone when you go back. I mean, there's well over 100 stalls and there's about 6,000 shoppers, I think, last last year over the whole weekend. So if you really like it, buy it. Not that I'm enabling or anything or that I have a history of enabling or anything, but it's just sound advice, really. <laughs> Number three, it's quite easy to get swept up in the shopping and the schmoozing, but do make sure that you take breaks um, and take a load off because... It's quite a heady atmosphere and you can get swept along quite quickly and it's a long day and if you're there for the two days it's a long weekend so make sure you take plenty of breaks. There's a restaurant, there's plenty of coffee, um, lots of nice muffins. You might enjoy just sitting down having a little knit. Last year there was a Ravelry meetup area so maybe there's something similar again this year. Listen to some live music because that was great. And you might also partake of the delicious sheep's milk ice cream that's there. And I have to say, I didn't think it would be nice and it was really, really lovely. So there you go, sheep's milk ice cream. Make sure you take lots of breaks. Make sure you take some water with you as well because it was quite humid last year. Um, it was quite oppressive atmosphere. So make sure that you, you look after yourself while you're there. Um, here's one for the duplicitous. None of you listeners, because I know you're all lovely, but just in case somebody's listening eavesdropping in but it bears saying anyway um don't bloody steal i was stunned and really disappointed to hear last year about the thefts at bullfest um off stock and samples knit witches had a, a silk hand spun hand dyed hand knit shawl stolen last year i mean there's absolutely no excuse for this I mean, in some ways, I always have this sort of woolly thinking that knitters are all lovely people and honest and what have you. But the fact that there are people out there who can already appreciate the love and hard work that goes into a yarn like that and a garment like that. And all those hours of knitting pleasure and all the hours of pleasure that somebody would have from buying it. To swipe it off a stall is frankly disgusting. I don't know what possesses a person to steal anything, but these stallholders and indie sellers do not deserve to be ripped off, so don't bloody steal. <laughs> and lovely listeners who are listening, who are non-duplicitous, if you see someone stealing, then shop them, or take a snap of them and Twitter shame them, because there's absolutely no excuse for that. And I really, really hope that all the stallholders going to Woolfest this year, and other um, large wool festivals, I hope your stock levels are not affected this year. Sorry, I, I got a bit angry there, but I just had to say that. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, number five. There is no cash machine at Woolfest. So get your yarn budgets out in Cockermouth, um, town centre, or come prepared. Some stall holders do have cash card facilities. Some I do cash back too, but it's not apparent which ones do. So you're better to come prepared. 
And if you're looking for British wool, number six, and you're uncertain because there's lots of British wool, lots of different breeds, um, you'll find heaps of inspiration at Woolfest. But if you're not sure about them, you're not sure about the characteristics of the wool or um, if it doesn't say meterage or you want to know the origin of the wool, then, as I always say, ask the stallholder. I bet most of them can all, can tell you which flock they came from because most of them will talk at length about it. And do you know what? If if they don't give you the answer that you're looking for or they don't seem to know and that doesn't you know work for you, then there are plenty of other wool at Woolfest. Number seven is for those of you who are staying in the in the local area. Um, we stayed overnight in Corkermouth, and we really enjoyed the local area. Um, lots of people book accommodation as soon as Woolfest is over for the next year's Woolfest. And I mean, we as I say, we really enjoyed the local area, and we really enjoyed the local um, fair, which is F A Y R E. We ate at the Trout Hotel on the banks of the Derwent River and they really pride themselves on serving local food from Cumbria. So if you can, th- if you think that you can do three courses from there, and I bet you can only do two because the portion sizes are very generous, then um, I would get down to the Trout. Uh, very, very nice surroundings, very, very nice staff and very, very nice food. But uh, if you get the chance to spend more time in the area, then Cockermouth is, is very lovely. And you can also v- visit Wordsworth's, William Wordsworth's cottage, which is, uh, which would be quite a nice trip in itself. Uh, and <clears throat> although my, my lovely fella came with me to Woolfest, I do believe that there is a, a, a beer, a uh, small brewery in Cockermouth that do tastings and tours. So if you need a crash for your lovely fellas um, and lo- our lovely partners, then then there you go. Uh, there's a couple of things to do locally for them. Most of all, just enjoy it. As I said, it's so whirlwindy and you can really get swept along with it, but um, there's a great atmosphere and a fantastic buzz. You can get to see the animals. I, I That's another recommendation. It's good to go to the animal ring and see the different breeds and uh, it's it's a really lovely day out so who is on your wish list for Woolfest? i asked that on twitter and isla111 is making a beeline for eden cottage baram u fiber spates john arbin and ripples crafts i of course heartily recommend ripples crafts i don't know if she's done it but she was considering a little uh, limited edition Woolfest colorway but if she hasn't done it, then you already know. If you haven't been to uh, any shows that Ripple's Craft's been at, you've you've heard me talk about how fantastic her uh, her colourways are. So uh, that's a hearty recommendation for me. And I also recommend Yarn Garden. Listeners to the last podcast will remember that I met Louise and George um, from Yarn Garden at the Highland Wool Festival and that I had recorded a little interview with George uh, regarding some new yarn that they'll have at Woolfest. And so for the next few minutes, you can listen to George talk utterly passionately about this new wool base and the job that he does. He might sound a little bit deadpan, but you know what? His passion for his job totally shines through. And before I could even get around to introducing him, he was right in there talking about the new BFL and water bases. Um, but <laughs> before I play this interview please note near the end there is a sound that sounds like a whoopee cushion but it is not and neither is it the thing that a whoopee cushion is supposed to sound like it's a balloon 
where we were recording outside had been nice and quiet and then we were encroached upon by some children so I sort of wrapped up quite quickly but if you hear a rude noise I promise you it was not George or I. I will um, hand over to my, out, myself as outside reporter and George of Yarn Garden at the Highland Wool Festival. No, this is new wool. I'm quite excited to get my hands on this. Um, this is the tease water that I've got a big um, amount of this other one that she's done. That's the, um, BFL. This is Blueface Lester, yes. Um, and I kind of look at this as our local wool coming from Newcastle because though it's called Blueface Leicester the the breed originated in Hexham just down the road okay so I think the first managed breed in the world was the Leicester and then this very quickly after that was bred from the Leicesters so I think it's a really ancient breed if I remember right from reading the books well done. <laughs> um, so I see this very much as a local kind of wool that we should, you know, coming from Newcastle, we should really be into this. Mm-hmm. Um, but both of these have got a lovely luster, I think. They and do. I'm expecting it to do everything from, depending on how I treat it, I kind of have an almost chalky loveliness uh, up yes. to sometimes you can get a sheen on it. Almost With metallic. a luster on a long wool. It's just to die for anyway and you quite often get that lovely meta- liquid metal look in dyed yarns and I think that is going to be beautiful mm. I was saying to Louise I think that would be lovely in Fair Isles and things you know because that's, that's a really it's just slightly sheepier than a, than a BFL I think that'll have a lovely texture and colour work sheepier sheepier yes but I should probably start by saying I am standing here with George from the Young Garden and let's introduce you properly <laughs> thank you Louise <laughs> and we're here at the Highland Wool Festival which I'm not actually podcasting from I just brought my microphone especially to come and see you and uh, hear about your uh, wow. lovely pressures on you I've got to say something <laughs> interesting I'll do, I'll do my best because <laughs> uh, you've got this new base a uh, yarn base which is uh, well tell us a little bit about it the um, tease water where well, is it from a, a friend of ours um, Chrissy Day who's a well known um, writer she publishes her own um, work on felting and on knitting and she sourced the wool from the sheep's back. I think some of the sheep she can even see from a workshop window, I, be- I believe. Um, and had it milled up to her specifications, so it's exactly what she wanted to do her work with. And um, <clears throat> we met a while back now at the wool show in Kendall. And she looked at the wool for a while without us knowing <laughs> who she was. And then eventually said, we're interested in doing any um, dyeing. Um, so we could kind of wholesale um, stuff to her so I dyed up a batch for her um, kind of things she said she was interested in and um, she was interested in some of that and come back and now I've got 70 kilograms of this blue face less to dye up and I'm not quite sure how much of the long wool yet but uh-huh. similar I think Excellent and you know, tell us a little bit about your your uh, dyeing methods because you your background is is science, isn't it? And you've quite it is, kind of yes. brought that into your dyeing. Well, it started there really. Um, I've got a science background, but a kind of arty background as well, which is like unusual for people, I think, to have the foot in both camps. Um, but I was a chemistry teacher, for example, for thirty years, and the the chemistry of the dyeing 
the chemistry of the fibre and how it takes the dye, etc., is an actual quite interesting um, topic within the chemistry. Mm-hmm. Um, so eventually I thought, you know, that's really interesting and I'll have to have a go at that. So I had a go at that and now it's kind of trapped <laughs> like, a, like a rat in a cage. And <laughs> I, I, I'm sure I'll be dying for the rest of my life. Um, by the bug. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we chose to do acid dyeing. Uh-huh. Um, acid dyes, bit of a misnomer because the dye itself isn't an acid, but the acid is. I don't know whether you can actually call it a mordant because I've never heard that said. But the same thing as a mordant would do for natural dyes. The um, acid I use, citric acid. The acid does for the the acid dyeing sort of sticks the dye onto the the fibre, um, and chose it because of some of the other mordants they use in, in natural dyeing might be you know containing heavy metals chromium and tin for example which aren't really very environmentally friendly and sometimes um, I know a lot of the vegetable matter that ends up in the water can be quite polluting and that doesn't happen with the, the acid dyeing and depending on how you're doing it and what natural dyeing you're comparing it with, it can use an awful lot less water as well. So right at the start, I thought, you know, I'm going to be using these acid dyes. Mm-hmm. What was your question again? <laughs> I'm sure it was something to do uh, well, with that. Well, uh, you know, how uh, inspired are you by your, um, science? In, in, I mean, do you do a lot of... Ex- have you done a lot of experimenting with dyes in certain colours? Well, well, yes, I have. Um, to start with, because we started in August... I did nothing else really apart from experimenting with uh, how much of the citric acid you needed for how much wool at which temperatures with dyes at different concentrations and with different types and amounts of salt in, adding it dilute, adding it concentrated, adding it and just trying as many different things um, as I possibly could because I didn't really know... uh, what kind of product I wanted to make. So now using a different combination of all those things, I dye up some that are solid colours all the way through to really high contrast variegated yarns. And I like certain d- different things about the different ones. I have to say there's really lovely characteristics <coughs> in your yarn that are really quite different from other hand-dyed yarns, I have to say that. What a lovely lady. <laughs> Don't come back and interview me any time that you want to. Well, I've still got that, that buzz I really yeah. have every time that you produce something, especially if it's something I haven't produced before. Um, I mean, I like the subtly variegated ones. I like it with, in different shades of blues, you know, into purples, etc., or, you know, kind of chestnut browns into oranges. And I, I like all that subtle stuff. But I've also really quite enjoyed dyeing up things that are high contrast. Mm-hmm. Um, I think especially if you take one of the primary colours and pair that with its relative secondary. You're nodding. Mm-hmm. Yes. Or all of your listeners <laughs> nodding as well. So if it was red, green and blue as the primaries, uh, if you take any three of the three like Se- red, mm-hmm. red for example and mix the other two primaries together that colour uh-huh. compared with the primary you started with. How fantastic. It's like maximum contrast. Yeah. I, I think that's really effective. And that's really effective. When you, when you, I mean, I see you've got some Katja Franco kits, and I can imagine that there's a couple of really pretty shawls, the polka dot one as well. I think that would be really pretty with the, the high contrast ones because, I mean, you're dying, you're creating pieces of art, and when you knit oh, something you. like that, it's, it's really something to behold. And I, 
and people who say that they don't they don't buy hand dyed yarns, they're missing out so much. They really are missing out so much. Thank you. Yeah. I have to say, it, and I don't know whether this will ever wear off, but on the occasions where I've seen garments that have been produced with our yarns, it still moves me so much, really, to think that I put effort and thought into creating the yarn in the first place, and then it's kind of hidden from you. You know that someone goes and creates again on top of that. So if someone you know posts on Ravelry or something like that a photograph of a a garment they've made or they come to the um, the store and they've got I don't know a shawl or something they've made with it and they say I made this real yarn I just, I'm just blown away each time it's just amazing I bet once when you know where the yarn has come from and you know where it was milled you know exactly where it's come from from the beginning then you've got it and dyed it and then someone else has created something that must be a huge sense of satisfaction yeah uh, uh, yes and that kind of traceability is um, coming more and more into our, into our work. Um, I think that is important for people, but definitely people choose first on site. It's definitely colour first, and then I like I like them to come and have a good squish at that, and you know, because I don't think you can tell just by looking at it. You got to feel it, mm-hmm. which is one of the only difficulties really of selling wool over the internet. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, that is must. That must be hard. Yeah, yeah it is difficult, and um, you can write down a description of the the wool. You know, you can see it in the photograph, and you can say it's got variegated yellow, da da da, or whatever it is. But you can't say, and I've squished it. It feels like there's no good way to describe it, really. <laughs> Soft, <A> bit woolly, <laughs> sheepy is my. That's yes. my one. <laughs> well, lady, sheepy ladies do come and smell the the wool oh. as well. <laughs> and um, some of it does smell sheepier than yeah. others. Well, I've been told that rams, rams wool smells more sheepier than yow's wool. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> so when will your new yarns be available to buy? I'm dyeing some of it up to give back to Chrissy, <laughs> and I'll make sure she gets hers back first. At a maximum, I'll have them available to, in two months' time. Excellent. That's brilliant. Maybe before, but at least by then. Oh, you've got new a new shop now as well. That's we what have. I wanted to ask about. In Newcastle at the Beacon, uh-huh. we've just got a new workshop, so we kind of got most of the house back again. It's not full of dyeing <laughs> equipment and mainly wool being dried, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> so we got, we got the house back, um, but the workshop's lovely, and I, I hope to be able to develop the business well there. So the the, the manufacturing process has moved to the Beacon, and it's and, open to the um, public. It's open to the public and we're running kind of knit and natter sessions there. We've got one on Saturday mornings called the knit and natter session and we decided to call the one on Thursday, Thursday knit out. Does that sound a bit like night out? It Thursday. does, Thursday knit out. Is that yeah, working? I like that. It's hip. <laughs> Crikey, I've never been hip before. <laughs> um, so um, they've started and... Um, some of those are being looked after by um, the designers that come to down down to do some of our lessons. So Katia Frankel, uh, that you've already mentioned, mm-hmm. Amy Nicholson, who was another and it's been designer. Cake, yeah, she, yeah. Um, she's coming down to some uh, to do some. I would I would like to um, build it up as well. I'd like to maybe I think be working with six designers. Excellent. People that might like to come down and do some knitting lessons as well. Oh, fantastic. 
it's a community thing. Definitely. I think, I mean, the community to Yarn Garden is very important. And one of the things about moving into this um, industry sector is that all of the woolly people are so, so lovely. They really and are. anyone who's listening who has never been to a medium or large um, wool show, you just don't know what it's like and what you're missing. It, I mean, that's it. I mean, I could have come here today with no money in my purse whatsoever and still had such an amazing time. As you say, woolly people are among the most amazing people in the world. You just, I've met so, never done anything in my life where I've met so many like-minded people. Um, and it is. It's there is really something quite special about that. Well, thank you very much, George. I really appreciate that. It's a pleasure. Thank you very much. Looking forward to seeing your yarn um, on the shops. Are you going to be at Woolfest this year? I'm going to Woolfest. Might see you there. Might see you there. Right, see you at Woolfest. (laughs) See what I mean about how passionate he is about his job. That is lovely stuff. Thank you so much, George, for that. That teaswater and the blue-faced Leicester that George also talked about, and many other beautiful yarn garden yarns, will be at Woolfest. And you can find their website at www.yarngarden.co.uk And if you live in the North East and you can get to their regular knit events, they're at the Beacon Centre, Westgate Road, Newcastle. Louise has provided me with the all-important ball band information. The yarn is a light-fingering lace yarn. It's premium tease water from Teesdale. Um, so there's provenance for you, um, Origin fans, because also Louise can tell us that it's a fifth gen- from a fifth generation flock. Also, the BFL is a four ply, and that's from Teesdale flocks too. The yarn costs twenty pounds for a hundred grams, and my goodness, the colours are shiny, but they have that divine metal chalky loveliness that George mentioned. Shiny and chalky are a bit of a contradiction in terms, but you can see from the pics on my blog for yourself, um, there is something really special about how the how the dye and the yarn have interacted there, I think. Uh, I think George and Louise should be very pleased with themselves. I'm waiting to get the meterage um, from Louise because as I speak, they are uh, balling up and getting the yarn ready for Woolfest. So um, I'll get that information. If I don't have it on the podcast, it will go in the show notes. But I was very lucky enough to see this yarn before it was dyed, and you guys are going to love it, especially once you see it dyed. It's a really, really the Teeswater yarn is is really lovely. It has it's got a sheepy halo, um, but it's so lustrous, um, so beautiful. I think you're really, really going to love it. Um, so if you're at Woolfest, Yarn Garden at stand K276, which is an amendment to the programme, and they are one of the stallholders who will be able to do card payments and also cash back. Uh, they'll also be at Unwind and the Glendale Show and Fibre East. So let me just uh, end this section by saying a massive thank you to Louise and George from Yarn Garden. I am so, so excited about your new British yarns. Really, really pleased to be telling everybody about them. Although soon you're going to find out for yourselves how fantastic that yarn really is. As we said there about the atmosphere and and woolly people, it's it's so nice to... It really inspires you and it really fires you up and um, to be around people who are passionate about what they do with wool and they know how discerning knitters are and really you know, strive to exceed expectations in the product that they that they bring to knitters. And so thank you very much. It was fantastic to meet you and I can't wait to meet you both again soon.
it was exciting this week to hear that Knit Spin Cake, aka podcaster Amy Nicholson, is opening up a brand new spanking wool shop. It's called Harbour Yarns and is located at CM Harbour Marina in Durham. And it'll be opening on July the 19th, possibly July the 26th. And Amy is going to be stocking heaps of British yarns, uh, West Yorkshire Spinners, Eden Cottage, UK Alpacas, and including her own hand-dyed yarns. There'll also be Owl Print Panda stitch markers, and she'll also be selling her Daisy Bunboo project bags. This is really, really fantastic news. I'm so pleased for Amy and really wish her all the best with it. I just know that the, the shop will be fantastic and she's planning on having workshops and woolly events and it's really, really exciting. I was listening to her podcast this morning, which if you haven't listened to the Knit Spin Cake podcast, she was talking excitedly about crochet, crochet and seagulls because the shop's got a nautical theme being on uh, a, a marina and talking about how she's designed the layout of the shop and, and it's all just nearly there. So Amy, I'm so chuffed for you and can't wait to come and visit someday. And Amy, Louise and George have actually been in touch to say... All the best for your exciting new Wooly adventure. They're so delighted for you and they also would like to take the opportunity to thank you for all the support that you've given them too. Oh, this is a bit like a dedication show. Oh, I, I should get myself a jingle. Oh no, I can't sing. Hmm. Okay, never mind. Anyway, <laughs> uh, best of luck to Amy and it's uh, a big thumbs up. Can't wait. So that's Harbour Yarns and there is a website in the offing but there is Harbour Yarns on Twitter uh, so you get all the information there and if you follow Amy, which is at Cake on Twitter, you'll get all the news from there as well. I was talking of wool shops, it would be remiss of me not to give a wool shop shout out to the Queen of Pearls in Glasgow. I visited the city's newest yarn store last Thursday with Karina Westerman and what an absolute treat it is. The Queen of Pearls is Zoe and she was also there uh, with her lovely mum and her gorgeous fox terrier. Uh, the shop is located at 91 Salt Market in Glasgow and when you first set foot inside the door you're greeted with this walls of fantastic coloured yarns. Jimison's of Shetland, Garthanor British breed yarns, Opal, there's drops, there's drops, there's drops, there's drops, there's drops. I'm from Alaska to Charisma to alpaca wool blends to the lace weight to the alpaca sport in every delicious colour. I love drops. If it was only British, I would knit more of it. <laughs> My goodness, the colours and the fibre, the quality of the fibre are fantastic and very easy on the purse and the quality is excellent. Um, I always think that uh, drops is a great first wool to get knitters excited about fibre when they're sort of moving from man-made fibre to natural wools. Um, I, I always sort of say try some drops. Zoe has a huge range of drops and that's really really great. Zoe also stocks knit pros and has a, a fab but select range of buttons and she also sells um, a curious little item called the sweater stone which I have not used but I would be interested to know anybody who has given it a go. This is a pumice stone which should be used to take baubles off, off of sweaters. Never heard of such a thing before, never seen one before. If you've used one, let me know. It'd be great to know if it actually works, but it looked a lovely little item. Zoe is really welcoming, and when I started asking questions about the origin of her spinning fibre, um, she was fantastic at getting the info. Oh, I didn't, I didn't mention the spinning fibre. Uh, our one wall is dedicated to 
um, spin fibre. Merino tops in lovely colours. Also natural colours and humbugs. There's uh, Manx as well as Corridale, BFL, Icelandic. There's flax fibre, there's silk and there's even nips for um, spinning into your wool. The Queen of Pearls has a yarn and a fibre type for everyone I think and it would meet most most knitters requirements and then some. Zoe also has pattern books by Isolde and single patterns by Stephen West as well as spinning magazines. Zoe and her mum were really welcoming and there's a real come in and get squishing feel about the shop. Um, I believe Carrie was actually copping a sniff as well. Not sure if I would go that far but I can't really talk because I was cradling some BFL roving chunky like it was my child. <laughs> <laughs> Zoe's going to be running regular workshops and craft nights. In fact, the first craft night meetup was Thursday just this week from 6 till 8. And Zoe says on her site that it's a relaxed couple of hours to work on projects with like minded people and maybe get some inspiration too, which is the best way to run a knit night, I think. The website is www.thequeenofpearls.com. There's a Facebook, a Twitter, and a Ravelry group, so get in there and find out more information. I'm really, really looking forward to my return visit next Saturday there and also the yarn cake. Uh, and maybe I can cradle more yarn like it's my baby. <laughs> so that's wool shop shout out to the Queen of Pearls. Really, really exciting to see a new yarn shop in Glasgow. But it's fantastic, absolutely fantastic. Well, talking of Glasgow, I might have been there for a conference, but I certainly wangled myself a nice little social time um, when I was there. Uh, as I mentioned, I met up with Carrie Westerman and had a really lovely time chatting and basically setting the woolly world to rights. I feel totally fired up and chat after our chat, and Carrie is a real like-minded soul, and it's, you know, it's nice to be able to discuss your take on things, and, you know, my... Th- I sometimes think my take on things can a little bit a little bit out there, but it's nice to have someone go, "Yes, do that." And so it was fantastic. It was it was it was really nice to meet up. She's got lots of exciting projects coming up, none of which I will be telling you anything about until until they're ready to be told. But it was lovely to talk at the ears offer, and I feel like I've known Carrie for ages. It was lovely to be able to finally meet up. We've been chatting on Twitter. Uh, oh, well over a year now, and um, and it was it was really she was really great company. It was lovely to to meet up, and it'll be fantastic to see her next Saturday too. You know what, George from Yarn Garden is right. All the woolly and knitty people are so so lovely, and I just keep meeting them and becoming friends with them, and it's fantastic. I've never met so many nice people through anything else I've ever done in my life before. It's fantastic. <laughs> Last time on the podcast I had a giveaway and I had two skeins of Artisano British Blue Face Blend to give away and I was asking you to enter on the blog by commenting with a yarn that you wish hadn't been discontinued like I wish this this yarn hadn't been discontinued. Lots of nostalgic yarn you love out there and the random number generator picked Charlie. Lucky Charlie, you've won the two skeins of the British Blue Faced blend in barrel. I will be in contact with you in due course but as I'm going away on holiday for two weeks it won't be anytime soon and it will be July I post out but I promise I'll get that out to you soon. Well that's it this time I'm afraid. 
that's all we've got time for. I will be back at the end of July. I'll have lots of things to tell you about. Um, holiday things and hopefully I'll manage to do some wooly things and knitty things. Thanks again to Louise and George and best of luck for all you people going to Woolfest and I hope to see lots of live tweeting if you get the signal um, and hearing lots about uh, purchases and um, how heady the yarn fumes were. Uh, thanks to Ravelry Messengers this, this month. Thank you very much to Suf for birthday messages. My swap partner in the Caithness Craft Collective swap, whose name I probably can't, Ravelry name I probably can't pronounce, but it's Blue N-C-N-X-N. Uh, that's, Lisa, that's Lisa. So hello to her in uh, Virginia. I hope your swap parcel is winging its way to you as, you, as we speak. And, oh, I have to take the laptop over here. Um, thanks and hello to new kids on the Ravelry group. G-Gow Girl, Liberty Knits, Terra Dotty, I, Anna, Wooly Wonderstuff and No Butterfly. Hello to you. As always, you know you can find me at www.knitbritish.net. You can find me in the aforementioned Knit British Ravelry group. I'm on Twitter and remember I've changed my Twitter handle so it's now at knit underscore British. And on Ravelry, I am Lyra, L-E-I-R-A. Thank you very much for putting up with me, my gruffness and my sniffiness. It's been fantastic having you along, and I will see you again next time. The music this month is John Gilliatt, and it's Django Arias, and you can find that on musicalley.com. I've put all the links on the show page, and I'll see you again soon. I hope you're having a lovely summer so far. I hope you're having lovely, really fun wherever you are, and I'll see you again soon. Take care. Thank you.